You know, it's really my hope that in Nazareth, many of those people changed their minds. And I hope as she read that psalm, many in Israel changed their minds and decided they could, in fact, trust God. I look at Israel today and I realize that as famous and as great and as much as God stood out and protected them, they don't believe in him any longer. And my fear is our country's headed in the same direction. And it's a concern of mine. The problem was he was too familiar. Uh, in Matthew, I'm skipping uh, books now, but in Matthew he said, these are the Nazarenes talking about Jesus. Is not this a carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joses and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? Where is he coming up with all of this? And they were offended to him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. I hope that caption is not true for the United States of America. It says here, And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. We also grew up hearing about Jesus. He is also too familiar to us at times to believe him for the miracles that we need in our country right now. He's too familiar to be bold and stand up. Can we, can we call on him in faith and trust him to save our country? As Jesus is walking out of Nazareth towards Capernaum, 20 miles as the crow flies, 40 miles on the, on the trail, you can't just walk off cliffs, 40 mile walk. As he's making that hike, I'm wondering, <coughs> is he walking away from America today? Do we have the faith to believe that he is able to save our land? Now, with everything that happened to him in Capernaum, the opposite, I'm sorry, at Nazareth, with everything that happened to him at Nazareth, the opposite happened at Capernaum. And he came down to Capernaum. You remember I said, uh, I think Nazareth was 12, 1,200 feet above sea level. And even though he's headed northeast, which to me is up, he was headed physically down to 600 feet below sea level. So it's a pretty good downhill walk, which is good. Although, it's hard on your calves. It's hard on your shins. And he came down to Capernaum, a city in Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. For them, he seemed to come out of nowhere. For him, it was new. For them, they, they, they didn't recognize him as the kid that played in their streets or as the young man that grew up in their... Hebrew school. They didn't recognize him that way. It was an entirely different reception at Capernaum. Now, I know that's a little fuzzy. That's an aerial view of Capernaum. Today, uh, this thing on your right in the middle is a state park, actually, where you can go and you can bring your boat and you can uh, enjoy the lake and you can camp there. It's a state park. And to the middle there, I've got this thing of Dave's little pointer out here. This is the actual community where Jesus uh, lived. That's Capernaum proper. I, I, honestly, I, as I look at that, I don't really find where people are living now, but there's supposedly about 1,500 to 2,000 people living there today, as it was in Jesus' day. And the reason I like this picture, even though it's a little fuzzy, the next one is clear. Uh, up here, you can see where Nazareth is in the background up there in the mountains in the distance. So we're looking... In this picture, we're looking almost due west, maybe a little north of west. I'm not sure I'm telling you that correctly. This is a better picture of it. Uh, and you can see in this area, 
you don't see the park. You see where some people are living over here, and you see that, that uh, mosque. But over here is the actual, uh, what's left of Capernaum. That, I'll show you close-ups of this. That's the temple. Uh, and I'll explain that in a minute. That's not the temple where Jesus worshiped. Uh, but it, they think it's the same location. And this, <laughs> this hideous octagon there is Peter's house. Uh, it's what the what the uh, Catholics did to Peter's house. It embarrasses me to see that. Uh, that's Peter's house. There's another view of it from the water. If you came in with your boat, there's another view of the the synagogue. This synagogue was built in 200 A.D. This synagogue was built, they believe, on the remains or the foundation of the synagogue that Jesus actually taught in. It was built about 200 A.D. and as you can see. It's in pretty bad shape today, but uh, you get another picture of it here. Let's see if it'll work here yeah, good. This was a much larger synagogue than the one Jesus was in, and this is only half of it. Can I back up? Let me see if I can back up. Yeah. Oh, no, that doesn't give you the view I wanted. Yeah, yeah, it does. On your right, you can see that's the other half of the synagogue. And on this actual picture here, you see the main main portion of the synagogue. I don't know if that was the ladies' half. I don't know if they divided it that way, so I, I can't tell you. There's another view of it here. Uh, give you an idea of how big it is and how big those blocks are. I mean, whoa. I, I guess they used some of that stone for other purposes. Uh, but they, they weren't afraid to move large rocks in those days, considering they don't have a forklift or a front-end loader or any way to, to move that stuff. And I'm imagining you get the size of it by the size of the chairs there on the right. Well, it was an entirely different experience for Jesus. Uh, it was a, Capernaum's a relatively new village. It was, it was a thousand years, I mean, it was a couple of hundred years old when Jesus was there. It was built along the highway. It was a trade route. It went from Damascus in the north all the way down to Egypt in the south. The village prospered for the, from the 2nd century B.C. to the 13th century A.D. and was abandoned in 1400. Uh, and honestly, when you look at the pictures, it looks like it's still abandoned. In Jesus' day, the estimated population was about 1500. And to put that in perspective, that's about like the size of Bridport. Bridport's expected to have about 1300 people. No, I'm sorry. Bridport has 1100 people. Addison has 1300 people. If you think of Addison, you're thinking more along the lines of Capernaum. So there wasn't, in our day, I mean, Middlebury has about 6,000 people. So we're a, we're a thriving megacity compared to Capernaum in Jesus' day. It was a fishing village. It was the home of Peter and Andrew and James and John. It was also here that uh, Jesus called Matthew into the ministry. It became the center of his ministry. Uh, it, it was where he delivered the bread of life discourse. He cured the Roman officer's servant. He raised Jairus' uh, daughter back to life. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. And at one point, as we get to the end of this little passage that we're looking at today, he's going to heal everybody they bring to him. What a day he's going to have. He's going to heal every... They're going to bring him sick from all over the area, and he's going to heal every one of them. Now, as we go on, we see there was a demonized man in the synagogue on that Sabbath day. Uh, which was probably to be Friday evening when this happened. Uh, and in the synagogue, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil uh, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. You know, Jesus 
did not want to publicly reveal himself until Palm Sunday, two years hence. So he rebukes him and he says to him, hold your peace, come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and heard him not. Now, I don't have the list from last week. But Jesus in the last year and a half has already done a lot of miracles. But this is the first miracle that he does at Capernaum. And this is what gets everybody's attention at Capernaum. Uh, now, the language in this verse implies that when this demonized man saw Jesus, the demon recognized who Jesus was, and it said, uh, let me back up here. It said, he cried with a loud voice. The Greek says he screeched. And you can just hear this demonic screech as, as this, this demon sees Jesus and just howls. Uh, you know, it's the clear testimony of missionaries <coughs> that this still goes on. We're so far removed from demonism, we don't think of people in the church being oppressed or possessed by demons. We don't even, I don't even want to think about stuff like that, you know. There's only two instances in my own life where maybe three, there's, there's one that I question, but there's two that I'm fairly certain demons were present or a demon singular was present. And at one point I was going to get into the origin of demons in this discussion, but I decided against it. But in these two instances, out of these two instances, only one of them was cast out. And still I'm convinced as I read scriptures, and as I look at what's happening in our society today, I'm still convinced that demons play an important, terrible role in our society, even today. And I think when you look at the lying and the distortions of the truth and the confusion and the, the, the chaos that we're experiencing morally, uh, politically, uh, all throughout our country, I believe demons are at the core of a lot of that stuff. The only time, you know, that I ever saw a demon cast out, it wasn't anything like this experience. And Jesus rebuked him saying, hold your peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and heard him not. And then the next verse reads, And they were all amazed and spoke amongst themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power, authority is exousia and power is dunamis. So it's with the, the, the uh, spiritual authority and the physical power or the spiritual power that he commands the unclean spirits. And they come out. And the fame of him went out into every place in the country and round about. I can only imagine the excitement that must have stirred up that day. First of all, the sermons that Jesus preached was not like me just quoting scriptures. It was as if the author of the scriptures was preaching, and he was. Then, in the middle of the service, this demon starts screeching in terror at the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then with one command, this demon throws this guy on the ground and flees. The only time I've ever seen this, I saw Dan Stone one time put his hand on the person at our meeting and say, 
and I'm going to get it wrong, but if I remember correctly, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her right now and leave her alone. And the woman that he laid his hand on stiffened up, and I thought, she's going to blow. I thought she was just really going to lose her temper. And she just sat back down deflated, sat there a few minutes, she was exhausted, and then she said, you know, I think I'm going to go to bed. And she got up and left. But I want to tell you that from that moment forward, her life had dramatically changed. And from that moment forward, she was a new, different person. I don't want to say she wasn't saved before, because I'm not convinced that demons can't bug us even though we're saved. I don't think they can control us. I don't think we can be possessed by them. But I do think they can influence us. I think they can affect us. And I think they can persecute us. But I believe that she was freed then from many years of torment. Later, she said to me, and I want to say uh, a year or so later, one time I was visiting her and she said to me, I've wasted my whole life. And I said, how do you mean? She said, I've been selfish. It's always been about me my whole life. And I think that's something demons do. I think demons get us to focus on ourselves. You're too weak. You're too stupid. You're too this. You're too that. You know, and all we do is we think about ourselves. I think of these, these, I want to say young women today, but I don't know if it's limited to women, but these young women that weigh 85 pounds and they look in a mirror and they say, I'm too fat. I think that's a demon. I think that's someone lying in their spirit to them, making them believe the untruth. But you're unfit for this job. You've got no business doing this or you can't do this. Those, those words aren't coming from the Holy Spirit. And I think in her case, that demon brought fear and confusion and selfishness to her on a level that she could not control. And when she was freed of that, she became a new person. I wish I knew more about this subject. And I know that uh, East Middlebury Church is researching all of this stuff now. In fact, they've been trying for two years to get a special speaker up to talk about it. And if they ever get him, he's from Texas, if they ever get him up here, after COVID, uh, they were going to come last fall. Yeah, but then they got COVID. <laughs> so when they ever get them up here, I'll let you know. And if you want to join me in that seminar, I, I'd like to learn more about it. There's a lot, a lot I don't know about it. I'd like to be able to recognize the influence of demons. And I'd like to be able to do something about it. I certainly don't know enough about it, but I believe we need to know more. We at least need to be able to recognize when someone is being influenced by an evil spirit. Now that was all that happened in church that night, all. And after that, Jesus went home to Simon's house. Now it is thought that uh, Simon's house became his base of operations. So when we talk about Simon's house for the next couple of years, it would also be Jesus's house when he was at Capernaum. At least that's what people think. We're not sure. And he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife, mother, was taken with a great fever. <clears throat> in, in Luke's day, they had two types of fever. They had a great fever and a little fever. And the great fever is the kind you would get with dysentery or a bacterial infection. And this woman was very sick. And they besought him for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever. And it left her. And immediately she arose and ministered unto them. Now... I don't know the timeline of this, 
Uh, I don't know if he walked down that day, if he spent three days getting down the hill to Capernaum, if they camped along the way. I don't know how long they were at Capernaum, but when you follow Luke's reading of this, Luke, when you read Luke, you notice it's, and he did this, and he did this, and he did this, and he did this, and it's like, man, did the guy ever get a break? You know, did he ever take a break? So he leaves, he leaves the synagogue after all that chaos. At least they didn't try to cast him off a cliff. And then he goes to Simon's house, and immediately he's confronted with a sickness. But he stands over her, rebukes the sickness, and she arose and ministered unto them. I have some pictures of this. I just thought you'd find interesting. That crazy round thing in the center is believed to be over top of... There it is. It's believed to be over top of the foundation of what was once Simon's house. So it's believed that that, that is right over Simon's house. And this whole area here is the town of Capernaum. All right. Uh, and each of these are houses. And I don't know where one house begins and the other one ends. But it looked to me like they lived pretty close to one another. Uh, and this has all been excavated. This is, was all under tons and tons of dirt. And you can see that as we get into the pictures a little bit further. Now, if I'm understanding what I read here, this is the original foundation of Simon's house before the church was built over it. Now, I'm not sure I'm telling you that correctly, but I think I'm telling you correctly, near as I can tell. Uh, the script that came with that said archaeologists uncovered an early Christian home in Capernaum <coughs> thought to have been the home of Peter. Then they go on to say Jesus cured Peter's mother-in-law in Matthew chapter 8 and is thought to have lived in this house while in Capernaum. This is the site where Christ cured a paralytic who was lowered in through the roof. After Jesus' death, the home became a place of worship and se several archaeological changes. Let me see if I can get this down here. Read the rest of it to you. No, I guess I can't. No, I guess I can't. Well, I have to stop there then. So then uh, that, that beautiful church was built on top of Simon's foundation. And, uh, of course, we don't even know if Simon built the house. But this they, they built this to protect the property. This is the inside of that church where they put a glass floor in. So I'm going to go down one, then I'll come back. That's the glass floor. And you can see the foundation of Simon's house or Peter's house, if you will. I'm sorry, or Jesus's house underneath. You can see the foundation of it. So this, this is the actual <coughs> worship uh, area that they made right over top of it. So you could go there today. This was built in 19... 1996, I think they said. Do I have that note here? No, I don't see it. I think they, they, that wasn't built until 1996. Of course, all of that had to be excavated archaeologically. Um, and this gives you an idea that all the different houses that are around it um, might have a date here, but I don't see it. Yeah. You get an idea of, of what it looked like. Um, Now, when the sun was setting, now, I hope that was the next day. You know, I, I hope that wasn't the same night. I mean, I'm thinking, when did he get a chance to get a sandwich, you know? Uh, when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him. And 
it's not unlikely in my mind that that wouldn't be the next day or two because time, it took time for word to spread. They couldn't text one another. Um, people with many diseases were brought into him. He laid his hands on them, on every one of them, and he healed them. And that, in the Greek, he laid hands on every one of them. It implies each one individually. It wasn't like, you know, you're all out there, be healed. It was like one at a time, he laid hands on them, and he healed them. And devils also came out of many crying out and saying, <coughs> Thou art Christ, the Son of God, and rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Demons, they understand. They know. Uh, they're not just some dark cloud over your life. They, they, they can speak into your mind. They know who they are. They're sentient. Um, and when it was day, he departed and went to a desert place. Now, is this the next day? It sounds like it's the next day. I don't know. Luke, Luke pictures Jesus as the suffering servant who goes from job to job to job to job to job. And you really you really get tired for Jesus when you read the book of Luke because it's just one thing right after another. And when it was day, he departed and went to a desert place, and the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him. And that they, they, they pressured him to stay. That's what the word stayed him means, that he should not depart from them. The, the exact opposite of what he experienced at his hometown of Nazareth. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore I am sent. And he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. So he went around to all the different communities in Galilee. The opposite of Nazareth. Well, Lord, we thank you for this time to look into your word and the life of your son, Jesus. We see, Father, how easily we could fall into the trap of being like the people of Nazareth. And we pray, Father, that you would give us great courage, that we would be more like the people at Capernaum who desire Jesus to stay and not push him out of their midst. And Father, for many of us, this experience of salvation was many years ago. And it's easy for us to forget how powerful and how great you are and your incredible ability to move, to heal, and to empower our lives. Father, we pray that you would renew our faith. Like the psalmist wrote of the old days when you moved greatly amongst us, we pray, Father, you would give us faith that we too would believe, and the epitaph of Nazareth would not be written over us, that you could not do any mighty works because of our unbelief. Father, Help that not be said of us, we pray in Jesus' name.